Well, hey there, this is Keith. Listen, before we start the episode today, I just wanted to take a moment and speak directly to anyone who might be listening who's still in the closet. Well, the first thing I want to tell you is that's perfectly okay. Do what is best for you when it is best. Never let anyone else pressure you in this decision. But let's say that you are thinking about coming out, or there's a part of you that really does want to come out, but you want to do so very carefully, very slowly, very strategically, and even very selectively. Well, if that's you, my friend, I've got you covered. I want you to go to the show notes and use a link there to check out my Selective Outage Method digital course. I think you're going to be surprised, and I believe it'll help you as you plan your coming out. All right, let's get on with the podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Coffee with Keith podcast. I'm your teacher and host, Keith Brown. And each week on this podcast, we coach you, the BiPlus individual, as well as others within the community, how to turn your hurting into healing and your healing into happiness. Subjects of this podcast will include sexual identity trauma, shame, family dynamics, relationships, coming out issues, bisexuality, dating, mindset, faith development within the Christian faith, and a whole lot more. Every week, you will get powerful teaching to help you create the life you desire and deserve. A couple of disclaimers, though, please. I am not a licensed therapist, nor am I a medical professional. If you need either of those services, please do consult a licensed professional. Also, the views expressed on this program are either those of myself or my guest and should be considered as such. All right, grab that cup of coffee, have a seat here at my table, and let's chat on this episode of Coffee with Keith. Hello, my friend. Welcome to Coffee with Keith and this Friday Bible Talks episode. I'm your host and teacher, Keith Brown. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening to this podcast, especially these Friday episodes. That tells me that you're probably one of two things, maybe both. You're probably part of the LGBTQ community, and you're probably someone who is still a Christian or following, trying to be a Christian or, you know, pursuing faith or trying to rekindle faith or whatever the case may be. And I just want to tell you that I am very, very thankful that you choose to listen to this podcast. I do try my best to give a little bit of interpretation and thought to it. And more importantly, just share some application that we can take and apply or, or apply to our lives. And so Today, I want to do that. We are entering, as you well know, the season of Advent. This is that expectant season as we celebrate the upcoming birth of the baby Jesus. So today, I'm going to go to the lectionary, and we are in year B of the lectionary Advent season. And today's reading, which is actually going to be this Sunday's reason, uh, reading, is coming the gospel from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And I'm going to read it, and then I want to just share a thought I had on it, which is probably a little different than most that you will hear. Um, no surprise there. If you've been around the block with Keith a little bit, you probably already expect that. So anyway, here's the text. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside 
And all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather, leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. Yum, yum. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the, untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You know, this is John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, however you choose to refer to John. And John is now on the scene. And John is out in this wilderness along the river and Certainly, he is preaching and teaching about two things. Number one is the coming Messiah, which has been prophesied in the tradition of Israel for years and years, and people were expecting this Messiah at some point. And so John is ushering him in. He is proclaiming that he is coming. And in light of that and in preparation of that, John is telling them that they should repent of their sin, that they should purify themselves and be baptized in water. So there is this idea of the baptism here that is important. And baptism, we know, is either an ordinance if you're Baptist or Pentecostal or a sacrament if you are Catholic or Episcopal or Methodist or anything of a more high church nature. Um, some considered an ordinance, meaning that it was ordained by Jesus. Some considered a sacrament, meaning that it is a, a work and a blessing and ministry of the church on behalf of God and Jesus. So uh, whichever way you see it, uh, all pretty much all Christian traditions do do subscribe to the act of baptism. Is it done as a baby? Is it done as an adult? Is it done as a covenant promise? Is it done as a believer? You know, the, all these things run through all of this theology that is debated and disagreed on um, in the church forever, especially today. But it's interesting here that John, uh, this unlikely character is speaking about the coming Messiah. He's teaching and he's calling for repentance. And this idea of, you know, just making sure that you are right and ready and prepared to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I see sermons going in a lot of different directions this Sunday in reference to this text. I think in some, there will certainly be a real fire and brimstone attitude of get your life right, confess your sin. You should be at this altar praying and confessing out your heart and getting your life right with Jesus um, so that you'll be ready to celebrate with, with purity of heart. So I expect that those sermons will certainly be preached. I think that there will also be some sermons in reference to the fact that um, we too need to be like John the Baptist and be evangelizers, that we need to be proclaiming the coming, not only the first coming of Jesus, the birth in the manger and the death on the cross and the resurrection, but also the second coming of Jesus. And we need to be out there proclaiming the, the coming of Jesus once again to the earth. Um, so I'm sure there'll be a lot of messages around that as, as well. Um, I tell you, when it comes to this text, I've heard just about every possible, maybe not every possible scenario, but a lot of them. Um, and as I was sitting on this text and I was ruminating on it this week, um, I started thinking, what 
what in this text really is is something that I think is pretty applicable and sort of speaks to the heart of what I am seeing in the world in the church today. Because I think that yes, we want to do good hermeneutics. We want to we want to exegete texts as best we can. We want to look at context. We want to look at um, you know tradition. We want to look at the syntax. We want to look at the textual criticism. You know, we want to do all that stuff. And you know, there's a lot of deep diving that we can do into the text to be as accurate as we can in its interpretation. And I think that's very important. And I think we we have to be careful because sometimes we sort of bring ourselves and our own um, thinking and opinions to the text. And uh, maybe we do that more than we allow the text to speak into us. We speak into the text, but you know that's a whole nother message in itself. But having said all that, I do think that there's a time that when we look at the text and we try to get to its meaning, its core, we also have to look at it and say, okay, why does this matter and what from this can be applicable to my life today? And, and even the world today perhaps. And, you know, what is it that we could hear that might speak and give value to it? Okay. So as I was, as I was interpreting all this stuff, I really hung up on that question. Why is this text kind of important? And that's where my mind and my heart went in this direction. I started thinking about this messenger. You know, it's kind of interesting that John, a very unlikely candidate, certainly didn't look the part of a person who would be, a, you know, like a Pharisee or a scribe or, you know, one of the, the uh, priests in the temple. He didn't look anything like them at all. I mean, you know, camel's hair, uh, leather belt, eating locust and honey, you know, he was very different, right? Even by that day's standards, John was different. So it's interesting to me, and it's always been interesting to me, that a guy who looked, and I think the text is very specifically trying to get this across, that John did look different, that John didn't look the part of the great messenger. John didn't look like those rogue authorities with their high-standing perches um, in the city of Jerusalem. He didn't look like any of those people, and he didn't speak like those people, and he wasn't teaching like those people. So what was it about John that attracted all of these people, not only from the countryside, the outer layer, but he was attracting people from the city of Jerusalem who had experienced all these high-knowing teachers, priests, scholars. And yet, there was something in the powerful message and teaching and calling of John that was like a magnet drawing these people to him, not only to hear his message, but then to submit to his baptism. So there has to be something there, don't you think? And as I was just thinking about that, I I had to ask myself this question. When it comes to the world today, and more specifically, the church today, especially the American church, the church existing here in the United States, is the church caring more about 
the messenger or the message? I'm just going to let that sink in for a minute. Because I've really been thinking about this a lot. Do you think that people today are more caring about the messenger or the message? And why do I say that? Well, <laughs> look at all the celebrity pastors that have these major followings, huge mansions, jet airplanes. Is it about them or the message? And I know that may sound a little um, jealous. It may sound a little judgy. And I don't mean it to be that way, but yet part of me is going, you know what? I think some cases we've lost the trueness of the message and we've put more emphasis on the messenger. So let me take it a step further. John was out in the air by a river, dressed the way he was, eating what he was eating, and just sharing what he had to share in truth, in passion, in concern for other people. And yet, if we look at the church today, look at all the professional presentations that we see all the fancy lighting all the quality almost professional well in some cases professional music presentations all the fancy cathedrals of worship all the fancy worship centers for the lower church and their upbeat music and their Guitars and drums and all types of sound effects and all types of lighting effects and stage work. And maybe I'm showing my age. Maybe I'm showing my bias. I don't know. Maybe. And yet there's a part of me that appreciates beauty that appreciates quality, that part of me believes that we need to bring our best when we worship God and we present God and we try to share God. And there is nobody who appreciates the beauty of a high cathedral, its decor, its icons, its, its altar. I mean, there is nobody that appreciates that beauty any more than Keith does. But even at that, I have to ask myself, and, and I'm asking myself, guys, is it more about the messenger and maybe even the method than the message? And if there is any inkling that that is true, is that a good thing? And what role do we play in it? If any. Something to think about. Until next time, heal your hurts, move your mountains, and may God bless you. Bye-bye, my friend.
Well, there you go, my friend. This episode of Coffee with Keith. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. Now, please stick around. One more announcement I want to give you. God bless you. See you next time.